our tour players always ask us like, hey, can you put a white hot in this? And we go, well, we've got newer stuff like micro hinges and things like that. But the feel is so unique and it's so different that it's really, really difficult to find an exact copy replica. This is the Fitting Room Podcast. Here's your host, Nate Adelman. Fitting Room Podcast, and today is all about putter inserts. I'm your host, Nate Adelman, broadcasting from, of course, our at-home quarantine studios. Hopefully, we'll be back at the Callaway uh, Podcast Studio soon, but in the meantime, we are still publishing Fitting Room Podcasts every Monday, and today, if you are watching on YouTube, as you can with all of our Fitting Room Podcasts, you will see I'm in the Ely Callaway Performance Center putting studio because we are talking inserts today and today's episode is a really fun one for a couple reasons number one it's a new topic we've never covered putter inserts yet on the in the four or five years of the fitting room it's a it's a technology and a topic that affects the things that we care about spin rate launch angle exit velocity all the things that contribute to us using our equipment to play our best golf and in, in addition, this topic was came to us from the Callaway community. So thank you to StumpNav from the Callaway community for suggesting this topic. Um, it's our pleasure to go and investigate and do it uh, to help hopefully educate everybody out there a little bit more on putter inserts. And to help me in this conversation, I was able to recruit a manager of putters and wedges for Callaway Golf, um, Patrick Dawson. Uh, a side note about Patrick, he is my personal physics instructor. Whenever I have questions about anything, Patrick breaks it down for me. He teaches me about all the uh, club design. Um, I think it, it's nice for, for the guys in R&D, you know, that uh, someone's uh, interested in learning about the things that they, they spend all their time doing. So Patrick's been uh, a good resource. Whether or not you knew it for the fitting room for many, many years, giving us the lowdown on all the things that we've needed to know to bring you guys the answers that you want to, what that you, you, that you demand from us from the fitting room. So um, today's episode, we're going to talk to Patrick in just a moment. We're going to go through the history of the insert. We're going to go through the technology that goes in the insert, all the considerations. We've got questions from the Cali community. So tons to cover there. Um, in the meantime, uh, if you haven't listened to him yet, we've had, we've, done a bunch of great shows recently we just sat down with ian frazier of txg golf up in canada that did the bracket challenge the top 10 drivers of 2020 head-to-head uh spoiler alert on that maverick ended up being the winner so we wanted to figure out how that happened and what was it about that club check out that podcast and then of course um we are always whenever we have a surplus of questions from the community we've got uh episodes on just answering those so we've got those as well Check those out. Uh, subscribe. Let us know what you think. Let us know what other episodes you'd like us to cover. And without further ado, it's time to bring in Patrick, Patrick Dawson. Thank you so much for joining me here in the Fitting Room Podcast. It's always a personal pleasure of mine to get to talk to you because I know without question, I'm going to learn something when we talk. Well, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, glad to be here. Glad to be uh, broadcasting from Callaway R&D South in the garage of my house. <laughs> yes, we are uh, in remote studio locations. I am uh, VPNing into the 
Callaway Performance Center Odyssey Studio. You know, we're talking putters today, so I had I felt like I had to get myself in the right state of mind to make sure we had a productive conversation. Yeah, and me, I just figured I'd be at my home course, Torrey Pines, just overlooking La Jolla. There you go. Not too shabby of a place to play. Hopefully it'll open up soon and we can get out there. Um, but you know what, Patrick, today we are wanting to talk about putters and inserts. And throughout the history of Odyssey, Odyssey has really built a brand around bringing innovation into the putter category, specifically with an insert. And so talk to us a little bit about like, how did that come about? How did the insert first make its way into a putter? Mm -hmm. um, and you know, how long ago was that? And what was the reason for it? Yeah, the, it happened quite a while ago. It was kind of around when Callaway started developing their own golf ball, the Rule 35. Uh, and then it was some idea with some people that said, well, why don't we take this cover material and throw it into a putter? It also happened to coincide with the launch of our kind of two ball shape, pretty iconic shape at the time. Uh, and then those two combined became kind of what Odyssey then stood for, was inserts with different kinds of materials, that then made the putter feel different and sound different and play different than all metal designs of that era. So every Odyssey putter prior to that, which I believe that was the original white hot, all the Odyssey putters prior to that were just metal faces like a traditional putter. Correct. Yeah. There maybe were a few that had different kinds, but it was really the white hot and the two ball that really um, struck out and, and made a name for itself. So, how did that, you know, was it just a fortuitous uh, occurrence that they decided to, hey, let's use this urethane from the golf ball? Or was there a specific problem that they were trying to solve by doing that? I think just trying to get a different kind of feel. The um, golf balls at the time were feeling probably pretty good and they were different. Um, and metal-faced insert or metal-faced putters tend to be kind of loud and tend to be, can be kind of harsh on certain, certain hits, so. Um, it's a nice way of adding just a little bit different kind of feel. And it's worth noting, you know, if we rewind the clock back 20 years ago, 25 years ago, golf ball technology is not even close to where it is today. And tour players were playing balls with 110 compression. Golf balls, you know, most people were not playing that urethane covered golf ball. They were playing firmer, really hard golf balls. And so trying to get some semblance of a feel was a novel idea. It was something that you couldn't get with a metal-faced putter and trying to, you know, uh, accommodate the, all the changing technology through the insert um, had, was part of that innovation. Now, 20 years later, I don't know the exact amount of, of years, I probably should, but the White Hot still is almost, you know, out on the PGA Tour. It's the gold standard uh, in terms of uh, putter feel and putter technology. Yeah, absolutely. It's been the thing that we keep chasing. Uh, our tour players always ask us like, hey, can you get this in a white? Can you put a white hot in this? And we go, well, we've got newer stuff like micro hinges and things like that. But the feel is so unique and it's so different that it's really, really difficult to find an exact copy replica because the old, uh, the traditional white hot is a two-part urethane casting almost. And so in the golf ball, it made it a really challenge to get that to actually make it because you got to mix these two materials together, wait for them to cure, and then pull the thing out of the mold. As opposed to like with an injection moldable uh, material, it shoots in 20 seconds later, you pull the mold apart and the thing's uh, firm and, and can be, you know, manipulated to the next uh, stage. So it's been, it's definitely a very interesting uh, 
property balance in that um, white hot material that makes it just very unique for a putting situation. And it, and uh, I would say for a lot of golfers now or adults on the PGA Tour, they grew up with that putter. And that feel and that sound is something that the putter more than any other club is such a, you know, it's an extension of yourself. So it's something that you're used to, something that uh, that is just a feel that is a comfort thing. So I don't know. So I think that that's probably a big part of it as well is just that feeling of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's something that, so I went back and I actually found, we have a press release on our website that says when the white hot insert in the Odyssey two ball was released and it's November 15th, 2001. And it was in relation to the 1999 British open champion, Paul Laurie one with the two ball and a white hot insert. And so that kind of kicked off a lot of um, what became the, probably the hottest shape in putters and then also the biggest insert at the time. So when it comes to the evolution of putter inserts, because like you mentioned, inserts since white hot have become more advanced, uh, designed to do more than just affect the feel. So what are the elements of design from an engineering standpoint that you are building into, uh, let's say the modern insert um, that you could just simply not get with a, you know, one piece milled or cast putter. Yeah. the It's really interesting. Like, especially the micro hinge technology is we move more into kind of injection moldable materials where you can start insert molding other stuff with the base insert material. So like take a original micro hinge uh, that was actually metal mesh inside a plastic base. And then that gives you the opportunity to put in kind of, you know, things that can help affect launch angle, top spin, and then still provide you the downrange performance that you're looking for. So micro hinge definitely was a big uh, leap forward in the first of its kind. Um, and the latest insert in all of the struggle lab putters is the micro hinge star. So what type of improvements were made from micro hinge to micro hinge star? Oh yeah. So original micro hinge was really small uh, hinges. They were spaced uh, pretty evenly across. Um, there was only a little bit of plastic that surrounded them. So kind of a lot of um, empty space behind it. So it kind of deadened a lot of the sound, uh, but it did provide a ton of topspin. Then we moved on to white hot micro hinge where we then kind of widened the metal part of the hinges, spaced them even closer together, but then still left only just a groove on the top of the hinges. So that improved our sound and our speed, um, but we took a little bit of hit on topspin. And then micro hinge star is a further improvement on that. Remove the groove entirely. So now it's a completely flat face. The hinges are still there, but they're just right on the surface. And then that provided us with the sound, the speed that our tour players are preferring. So can you pull back the curtain a little bit for us on how does that process go about? Like, how do you measure sound? What is the sound you're going for? Um, how is that like, T talk to me a little bit about the data. So like what data are you looking at for launch angle spin rate is the same insert going to be better for all golfers or is there a, some sort of fitting fitting story here where if a golfer really knows their stroke that a certain insert may be a better fit for them. Yeah, totally. Okay. So uh, we'll start with kind of the general stroke. So generally what we see with tour players is two degrees up on the ball with a little bit of forward tilt on their putter head. And from that, with a flat face milled putter, they can produce 10, 15, 20 RPMs of topspin. So you're relying mainly on the friction of the ball on the face. So for those types of players um, that can already generate topspin from their stroke, 
they're more looking for the sound and the speed control. So for them, a white or microhinge star insert's really good. It may not produce a ton of extra topspin for them. They don't necessarily need it. They're already getting enough from their motion. But if someone who comes in, maybe they're hitting down on the ball or they're hitting with a lot of uh, loft. Now those people, they would actually hit the ball with backspin. So for them, an insert that really spins, does puts down a lot of topspin would help with them. So stuff like the original micro hinge would fit more with those people. So it kind of depends on where uh, a player is in their, both their stroke and kind of what they're looking for. So we, we had Adam Hadwin on the show a couple years ago, right when micro hinge came out and he had gotten on uh, the SAM system and he was doing a, a putter fitting with his number seven with the white hot versus number seven with the micro hinge. Yeah, and yeah. He, he noted that micro hinge gave him a degree and a half higher launch angle. Yes. Uh, and so that was something that he had to then adjust the loft on his putter to get it to the, the, I guess the launch and spin that he was looking for. So talk to me about how working with, you know, like you mentioned, a guy like a tour player that has a, you know, a textbook perfect putting stroke yeah, yeah. Um, versus, you know, like a, a weekend golfer who maybe is hitting down on the ball. Yeah, so the kind of the, the putt ideas, right? The ball, I'm trying to see, make sure I got this right. You know, sitting inside a nest. And what you want to do is get that ball up and out of the nest. And that's where that launch angle comes from. But there's a very fine window where you don't want the ball to be hitting so low that it like hits into the side of the nest and then tumbles over. You don't want to hit it so high up in the air that it's almost, because the higher the launch angle, the lower the, the top spin or the more the back spin. Right. And then now the thing starts skidding around. So there is a fine window. And we have found that with both original micro hinge and all the micro hinge series that there is a launch angle difference forever. If you can keep the putter heads the same at the same specs, someone with a micro hinge is going to launch the ball higher, which then requires us to kind of strengthen the putter a hair just to get it back into, into that window that they're expecting. So between like uh, other technologies, which we, we're not going to get into on this podcast, but stroke lab, um, from a balance standpoint, micro hinge from an insert standpoint, the Odyssey putter is really helping the golfer, especially the golfer who has imperfect putting stroke or imperfect uh, putter, putter swing. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so great about the micro hinge technology is that it doesn't necessarily need you to have the perfect stroke in order to take most advantage. It's going to add topspin no matter what kind of stroke you put on it. Okay, so let's go, let's go to a little bit of the R&D and the development behind these inserts. So how do you guys, uh, to the extent that you can share, how do you guys uh, test for and control and design around sound? Oh, oh my gosh. It's an it's a art. It's a science. It's, a, it's all kinds of stuff. So we try and get into a controlled environment, um, indoors preferably. Try and make sure you don't have a ton of echoes and that kind of stuff. You don't have ball launchers or cannons going on in the background, you know, slamming doors, that kind of stuff. And you just put a microphone up and you hit it. And then you compare it against kind of a gold standard of maybe stuff that we've done before or that we like. And we just kind of look at it from that perspective. And then in those same kind of controlled environment, we can look at downrange performance as well uh, with things like Quintic and SAM, uh, GC Quad, those kinds of things to actually get the raw number data from it. So with, with um, so sound being one element that I would say more is on the art side of putter design. On the science side, how do you go about, I'd say two things, uh, the engineering of speed and the engineering of spin. Oh. How, do you, 
how do you, I mean, what, per, and what percentage of your time is split between the, the sound and feel versus spin and speed? Yeah, no, great question. Cause the, the way that we approach it. So the ball, as it comes, like I described, it comes up out of the nest. It's not, it, you can't make an insert that can actually be at the true called true roll or the full roll. Cause if you actually calculate it out, you need top spins in the 300 RPM range for 10 foot putt. There's nothing out there that can make that. And the USGA has made it illegal to make it that high. That helps. So the ball will always skid a little bit. And what we're trying to do with the top spin is to get it so that it skids less, so that the skid distance is much smaller. And then that enables the ball to not, while it's skidding and bouncing, it's like it could get offline. And so there is a mixture, there is a balance between the energy that you want to propel the ball forward and then some of that energy you want to take and steal and actually make it into topspin so that it's more stable. And so there's a fine balance between that where you're trying to not take away too much speed from it, or you have to engineer an insert that's faster and then throw in a micro hinge to then take some of that energy away to then put in for spin. So to simply get a putter that when you swing it, it reacts like a metal face putter or it reacts like if we're trying to chase the two ball or sorry, the white hot, yeah, that's actually a really big challenge because you're taking some speed away for feel. You're adding some speed with micro hinges. So uh, getting that back is actually, you know, I, I don't know that we typically will think of it in terms of like of that because, you know, we think, oh, it's just a putter. But yeah. the amount of research R&D technology analysis that goes into it is is extraordinary. Yeah, it's fascinating to really get down to the nitty gritty because it is this fine balance of feel like a cook in the kitchen, right? Because like, oh, you're either, you're cooking at altitude or you don't have this kind of ingredient. Well, I can mix in these other kinds of things that can maybe get us there so that the end result is the same. And that's kind of what you end up chasing is we've got a gold standard out there in white hot. Everyone loves the sound of it. Everyone loves the feel of it. So that's what we target. And because that's, and you have to then take the mixtures of all the other pieces and adapt them so that at the end, once you mixed it all together you get that result okay so um i want to do a little history lesson here sure so we know that uh i think if we had to award a crown to the best insert of all time it's a real, it's white hot yeah but there was a bunch of versions of white hot so can you walk us through a little bit of the evolution of the sure. insert starting with the original white hot yeah, so the original White Hot kind of started as a Chemtura-based two-part urethane. It was the same cover material from the Rule 35 golf ball. Um, but then even beyond that, we did uh, different kind of, call it, versions of it. So kind of the, maybe the next, I have my notes, looking at my notes here, we had kind of the uh, White Hot XG or the IX and the White Ice series. Mm -hmm. Those are all kind of roughly the same in terms of construction. Those were probably our first attempts at like, two-part materials where on the outer surface it was a very firm material kind of like shore d 70 range uh, mind you white hot in its prime is a shore d 51 mm -hmm. um, so a little bit firmer cover but then on the inside there was like this inner core that it was a shore d of a 41 so kind of had that like initial reaction of a very firm cover but then the insert kind of gave a little bit to actually get the, the rebound that we were looking for. So then kind of moving on from that into the, the White Hot Pro S and X series. Uh, White Hot Pro S was that same kind of two-part um, material. 
And then White Hot Pro X, we moved to kind of a Huntsman uh, base material, also a two-part urethane. And then we can't also forget about the Metal X inserts. Mm -hmm. um, I get reminded about our returns on those, so I apologize <laughs> to those customers about that. But that one was really cool because it was a base of White Hot, the original White Hot, the Chemtura. And then we took a metal mesh and then glued it onto the front. Now, that's where all the yeah, problems happen. The DNA. issue was if you had like a, you played out a course with really big greens and you had like an 80 foot lag plot and you took a big swing, that mesh would dent a little bit. Yes. And it would also delaminate too if you left it right. in your car for too long. So, um, but what was really great about that was that was our kind of first attempt at providing additional friction on the face. So I talked earlier about how Pro Tour players adapt their swing to actually get motion on the ball to actually, as the putter's coming in, it's doing that. Right. Those um, ovals, uh, engraved ovals on that metal mesh really helped increase the friction and really dramatically increase the topspin for right. only that specific uh, putter stroke. Um, so yeah, then we moved on. So then after that one, we did White Hot RX, which was kind of our first series in the DSM line of materials. Um, but similar in construction to White Hot XG, IX, and the White Ice series. And then after that, we then went into MicroHinge. Mm. Yeah, and then MicroHinge, we're on the third version of MicroHinge. Is that correct? Yeah, um, third one. So, and I will say that this third one, it is the first time I hit it, the MicroHinge star, it was like, it was like, I'll say ear opening. Like it had such a clean, crisp sound. It was the perfect balance of, firm but with feel uh the roll was great so i think you guys certainly uh i know how hard you guys work so uh congratulations on that insert um uh you now you covered all of the white the inserts that are white in color for the most part there's a couple uh, hidden gems in there that i have to have to test you on so how about the try hot the try hot had a lot of fans yeah. So, okay so i did a bunch of research and try hot was still a white hot insert but it was combined with this tungsten flange on the back of the putters. And then that's where the tri-hot came, the tri-hot name came from. Got it. So, but it was black in color. Uh, those were the pictures I found were white, at least the specs that I found. Okay. And then there was another, uh, this one I will call a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I think the I know only insert that I know of that is, not made of a polymer or urethane construction, but rather metal. And that was the Milled Collection RSX. Ooh, the most perfect putter ever, I've been told by you, evidently. That's the Milled Collection SX. Oh, <laughs> that was, I hadn't gone into the history of the, I, I totally skipped over the metal inserts, but thanks for reminding me. Um, yeah, combining the metal inserts with sound chambers to engineer sound, I mean, the amount of work that goes into, I mean, maybe it's worth sharing this. The feedback from tour players, I mean, I know there's tour players that are less concerned about toe hang, weight, uh, loft. It's sound is the only thing that matters for them in a putter. Yeah, no, totally, because they equate sound to rollout distance. So kind of their idea, they're sitting on the green, they're grinding out their putter stroke, and these guys are just – like seeing their numbers against our robot, it's kind of crazy how close they are to our robots. Um, there were some tour players that we've had inside and uh, on a SAM system, it's barely, they are barely distinguishable from a robot in terms of consistency of 
impact location, speed, attack angles, path angles, all that stuff. So what these guys are doing is they're, you know, putting it down, they're hitting a bunch of putts and they're getting a sound read through their ears and they're expecting to see it end up at a certain spot down, down the range or, you know, down the putting green. And so if that, if a sound is not quite right, either in tone or, you know, amplitude or pitch, then they equate that to being off based on their internal, like, Oh no, this, this kind of putt, if I hit it like this, it sounds like this and that kind of thing. And so for them, you're right. Like growing up on white hot, they're totally used to that kind of signature and they use that signature to help them with their practice and help them with their speed control and their line and their diagnose. Like if the putt didn't go in, what went wrong? Did I either get my speed wrong or did I get my line wrong? Fascinating. So yeah, I mean, putter more than any other category, it is that combination of science and art, if you will. Um, but I would argue that Odyssey and the innovation and the science in, in Odyssey putters, starting with the insert, but even expanding to alignment technology, shaft technology, balance technology, uh, all that stuff combined is helping golfers make more putts for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, it's totally innate. It's what fascinates me about the, uh, the lower speed swing segments. So I oversee wedges and putters. And it, this is a category that doesn't require, you know, overt strength. Like I don't need to go bench press 300 pounds. I'm not trying to hit 200 mile an hour ball speeds. You, you could though, for the record, if you needed to. If I needed to, you know, I'll hop on my bike and I'll, I could do that. It, but it's <laughs> the, it takes, it's more the technique and it's finesse. But then at the same time, you know, engineering, if, if all it was about was the science and the numbers, things would look totally different and they may not look pleasing or they may not have that artistic feel. And I think that's the other side of it. That's also really fun is looking at the blends and how they flow into a putter and which ones terminate where, and where do you put the lines of things like tracer lines or dots or top lines versus cavity lines, right? Triple track or not, you know, there's all this fine art and balance. I mean, even in the picture in the background of your, your thing, I just look at those and all those line arts, every little line does something. And right. if you're not paying attention to all of that detail, you miss out on what makes a great putter. And there's good engineering in R&D, which of course is a, is a skill, but marrying that with understanding the golfer and the way golfer processes all the inputs is critical too. And I guess for those of you watching on the YouTube um, channel, which of course all of our podcasts, you can also watch on YouTube. Patrick, you have to share what's going on on your t-shirt. Oh yes. This is one of my, I, I feel bad since we're working from home, I'm pulling out like all of my t-shirts, but this is like an old, I don't know. It's like old, like persimmon woods and iron design t-shirts. My wife got for me a couple of years ago. It looks like a, uh, it looks like patent drawings for like yeah. wooden head, wooden headed persimmon golf clubs, which if you're, if you're rocking that type of apparel, it means that you're into your job and we're grateful for that because it helps <laughs> us shoot lower scores. So yeah. Uh, thank you for that. So Patrick, uh, do you have a couple of minutes to answer some questions about inserts from the Cali community? Oh, sure. Fire away. I'll say uh, what you so, say. So this episode, as we mentioned earlier, was a suggestion from the Callaway community of something that uh, they wanted to learn more about. So I aggregated a bunch of questions 
Um, some of them might be quick answers. Some of them might need a little explanation. And we actually covered a lot of these already, so that's good. But um, callawaygolf.com slash community, head over to the fitting corner thread. That's where all the fitting talk is happening. Any questions that you have an need answered will be answered there. Yeah. The best questions uh, like some of these here will be answered on the show. And once we start up on the live show on SiriusXM, we'll be up there as well. Um, all right, so Patrick, um, we Shoot covered away. we covered the history of the insert. Um, we covered some of the different characteristics of the various inserts. This is a great question. This is about insert and golf ball combination and finding an optimal combo. Because as you change your golf ball or as golf balls evolve, the feel or the sound from your putter if that's left at a constant will be different. So how do you recommend golfers if they have a setup that they like, um, how do you recommend golfers match up putter insert with the golf ball they're playing? Oh man, it's all going to come down to preference. And I'd say we've had tour specific tour players say, okay, I play this type of ball and I want you to make us make me a putter that's like this, but I want it to sound something else. And so we have to go and get those golf balls and figure out, okay, well, this is a constant. What do we have to do to the putter to, in order to achieve the end, end result? So if you're looking for, because, because also the other thing you might want to consider is like how much spin do you want to put on it? How does it feel on the rest of your clubs, like your wedges? Um, as, as also the guy that oversees the wedges, that's kind of another thing. Sure. So I always, my, my game is I'll go and always practice especially putting and chipping and pitching with the golf ball I'm going to play and try and so then I can get an idea. I can get a sense for how it reacts, how it can maybe check, how it can, how it rolls, how it sounds, all that kind of stuff. Um, for someone who's looking to do a change, I'd say you just go out and try them side by side. You got to, you got to stick with whatever you had your old ball was go with your new one and they may be different. Um, but then that may be opportunity maybe to change the putter if you want, uh, maybe to go to something that has more sound, less sound flip between like a Toulon style or to a micro hinge, you know, a micro hinge star insert. It's kind of just a preference and you got to try and do hit your short putts, hit your long putts, hit the ones in between, really try and lag putts and hitting multiple putts too. And trying to not hit like I can see guys all the time putting uh, the ball back in the exact same spot that they hit the previous putt from. Well, every time you hit a putt, you get just this little bit of a track that goes down the grass. And if you do it right or do it uh, consistently enough, the ball starts to get into that track and now it will give you bad, I'll call it bad data because mm. when it's inside the track, it rolls further than it does. If it's rolling on grass, it's all right. uh, random. So it kind of comes down to, you just got to go try it. And I'd say recommend too, also trying on the wedge side to make sure that that also reacts in the same way. Right. Cause like a very firm golf ball will give you a super loud sound, but it may not give you the spin that you're looking for in a short club. Right. Right. And oftentimes I think the firmness, the combination, if you move to a softer golf ball, sometimes you want a firmer insert. If you move to a firmer golf ball, you might want a softer insert to get that sound to be a constant. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can kind of play with that kind of stuff. So like, Nate, that's a great point. Like you would, we'd probably take one of our firmer ChromeSoft X balls and you could combine that with a uh, original micro hinge insert. And then if you took like ChromeSoft and combined it with micro hinge star 
same putter, different inserts, you maybe would get sounds, total sounds that are close, despite the insert and the ball being totally different between those two configurations. Uh, okay, cool. Moving on here, um, do different various inserts uh, fit different putter styles any better or worse? So if you have a different type of stroke, let's say it's, uh, you know, you're a straight back, straight through face balance guy versus a wide open close guy, or maybe if it's like a Brant Snedeker doing a pop stroke versus someone who's much, like really smooth, do, does the insert matter for any of those types of variables? Well, it's interesting. Some of the secrets of, or the, well, the secret sauce of white hop is that it, it reacts differently under different kind of loading conditions than other types of engineered materials do. Um, so maybe there's a little bit difference with someone who's a real kind of punchy kind of stroke. Um, but in general, if you're wide open or not, or you're really down on the ball or inside out, those kinds of things are not too, uh, the insert can't white it's not going to be affected or insert styles aren't going to make it better or worse it's just going to be it is what it is got it okay this is an interesting one um why why haven't we seen a putter with swappable inserts uh we did actually I was gonna say the flip face yes the flip face now that was now it wasn't it, flippable yeah or it uh swappable is what you said like i'm kind of envisioning oh something like i'm at the golf course and i'm like oh i've got this thing here and i'm just going to put it in you know take right. this little piece out and put it right. the flip face was cool because it was actually two inserts on a on a plate that rotated around right so that was white hot on one side and i believe it was metal x on the other i think it was just a full just a flat metal face okay yeah but yeah metal face on one side and and an insert on the other Okay, um, that was short-lived. I believe it was in the twenty summer of 2012. <laughs> it was a short short life for the, the flip face. Um, yeah, a very challenging concept to kind of put together, but yeah, very interesting. And it didn't seem to resonate in the marketplace. I think people tend to pick, they, they find an insert in a putter that they, or they find a putter they like, shape, and then they pick insert or not, and then they kind of stick with that. There really isn't much kind of dabbling uh, in between. Yeah, and then the other thing to mention on that too, in terms of the putter design and engineering is gonna be, if you had swappable faces, you introduce that it's not put in just right, maybe there's space behind it, because it's like when an insert is put into a putter, it is secured down, there's layers of adhesive and glue and epoxy and to make sure that it gives you consistency across the whole face because even if one side is not down quite enough, first of all, the insert might not be set at square. And second of all, it might sound, sound off. So the challenge of getting them installed just right is, is uh, I'd say it's, it's a challenge. It's something that's important. Yeah. Well, and the USGA also says that this isn't stuff that should be able to be swapped during the course of play as well. So right. There's also that side of it. That I guess the it, whole USGA. <laughs> yes. Well, the ruling body. We got to, we got to follow it. We respect and, them. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't really jive really well with easy, easy swappable stuff when yes, we would need to make tools to make it work. All right. Um, okay. Two more questions here. Uh, is there a downside? I know we talk a lot of it about the upsides of having an insert. 
over to like a traditional milled face, is there a downside? Uh, the sound, the sound and feel is different, but I don't know if that's a downside. It's just different. Right. It's a preference, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it comes down to what you're used to playing with. There's some cool stuff that we can do in inserts um, that you can't necessarily do in metal faces just because of complexity of, engineering and manufacturing a metal face is much harder than stuff that's in the you know urethane sphere urethane world or in injection moldable space where you can combine a lot of different stuff okay and last question and this one you know i did save the best for last for you yeah this is an honest question this actually was written i did not write this myself um what is the chance we can get nate's face put on an insert Ooh. Uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty easy. I mean, it's just it, paint sticks really well to the front of the insert. So I, I don't know that anybody sense. would want that. I mean, maybe if you're hitting the ball into my face, I guess that makes sense that some people would want to do that, <laughs> but it would ruin your putter. No, why would you? Well, I mean, unless it was your own putter, I guess. Yeah. So the answer is it is doable, <laughs> but we will not see that in the marketplace. That's for sure. What, is, what do we call that? The Adelman line? We, I'm, I suppose we could, but if I had that type of control, there's other things I'd be doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm in your ear all the time. You're probably sick of me in your ear all the time of, Hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do that. And I guess I should know, like, you're not coming to me and going like, Hey, you should do marketing this way instead. So for that, I apologize. <laughs> oh no. It's always, we take ideas from everywhere because it, that's the way we work at Callaway is that, the best ideas sometimes come from the most, you know, core person that's the most uh, excited about the product. And if they're excited enough to go tell somebody about it, that's something that we should cherish and go, oh, hey, let's go research that. Cause you just never know what you'll discover. And who knows too, like it may be the worst idea in the world, but in the discovery of trying to figure it out, it might shoot off into all these different areas that you had no idea about. And then that's where true innovation happens. It's not necessarily the end goal. It's the steps and it's the process. And we don't need to get into it now, but I believe the gravity core helped contribute to jailbreak in just that fashion. Exactly. That was one of those kind of things is jailbreak had, or uh, sorry. Um, yeah. Gravity core was put in and then one of our engineers saw and they was like, hey, hold on a second. There's a, interesting thing going on with ct on these heads what why is why is this working this way right dive way deep into fea and then you figure out wait hold on a second connecting these two pieces the crown and the sole actually makes something different what if we put them even closer to the face whoa holy cow Jail. right you know right and i do i guess lastly as we wrap up patrick i have to i'd say thank you because one of the uh our favorite words we talk a lot about on the fitting room is the term robustness yeah. And we would not have that in our vocabulary had you not taken the time to teach us about that um, in the way that golf clubs are designed. So that's unrelated somewhat to putters, but uh, the fitting room owes you a debt of gratitude for teaching us that vocabulary. Oh, well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. It's it, robustness is one of my more favorite ones uh, just because it's it, people don't, they're not robots out there. So for us, sometimes it's a little bit more important to have stuff that's robust as a, broad term but is just better over more circumstances and more uh, conditions than uh, something else well patrick you have shared your knowledge with us thank you so much for spending the time with us teaching us about putter inserts um 
the microhinge star insert that we've talked a lot about a lot about today is in all of the new triple track putters, stroke lab black putters, um, and I believe Tens. all the stroke lab putters. Yep. Uh, so yeah, check that out today. It's worth uh, definitely worth a, a shot to listen to and see how well that putter rolls when you have a chance. Um, again, this, this episode was brought to you by special requests from the Callaway community. So if you have any requests for future episodes, please let us know there, callawaygolf.com slash community. Um, we will be back next week with more from The Fitting Room. This episode of The Fitting Room Podcast was produced by Jen Turk, Tyler Sheehan, and Trevor Miglarino. We'll see you next week. See you, everyone.